Good morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. That's good, and and to me, these two gentlemen represent what you can do in terms of uh, becoming a volunteer and participating in in um, uh, politics, in a sense, but in also in governance. How much you can do, and these you know. These guys have spent hours and hours in basically unpaid positions trying to get reforms. They're the uh, perfect example of a, a people who are engaged beyond voting. And uh, Bob's been on here uh, many times. And I think, Paul, you've been on the show before. Uh, only once when I was running for the to be the district representative here at the college. Okay, we're talking about Yavapai College. And uh, we had um, a whole campaign, which we we broke some of the news about uh, about what was going on in the Avapai College. And the research that we used was Bob Oliphant's when we broke the story back years ago. Um, we looked very carefully because we didn't know Bob at the time. We looked very carefully at everything he had ever said, and it all checked out. All his facts checked out. All his uh, generalizations generally checked out or were really supported. Um, I, his research was impeccable about the college. We really would not have known about what Yavapai College was doing if it hadn't been for Bob. Uh, Paul is a representative from our side of the valley, Paul, to the, to the college. And yes. How many, how many people, how many representatives are they? There's one for each of the five districts of the county, and I represent most of the people on the east side of the mountain. So it's it's still the west side has almost all the representation. Nothing's changed in that regard. The other four representatives all live on the west side. Right. West side has about double the population of the of the east side of the other people on this side of the mountain. Right. Right. All right. So. Where do we start? I've been reading the, the material that Bob sent me, and it looks like structurally nothing has changed for all our combat. What we found uh, and what upset the Sedona City Council was they were putting in millions and millions and millions of dollars into the college, and the college was going to abolish the Sedona campus. And indeed, they got rid of the signature program, the film school. And they moved the film school over to the east side. Well, I don't know quite where to start, but... It, well, let me, if I could... Go ahead, Bob. Just a quick overview. What we're really talking about here is a $93 million corporation, a publicly taxpayer-supported corporation, number one. Number two, it has a complex budget. People routinely ask Paul to explain the budget. You can't... It is a very, very challenging budget. It's difficult. You have this governing board that Paul's on. It is a very weak governing board. They haven't met for, well, and you're not going to meet for about four months this time. Four months the board doesn't meet. 
They just sit around. They get no information. We get no information. It's managed by a president. We pay her around $300,000 a year now. She's the highest paid employee of, uh, in the county. Uh, the college covers 8,000 square miles. That's huge. That's the same size as the state of Massachusetts uh, or the nation of Israel. Imagine that. This little the community college, it's supposed to be our community college, <laughs> local involvement, 8,000 square miles. All major decisions are based, are made in Prescott. We, uh, my, uh, we are totally controlled by the whims and the decisions over in Prescott. They will ask some people over here to meet to affirm what they've already decided over there. And that's gone on for 50 years. We've been struggling. You could look at the history of uh, the community college on the east side here. It's been a struggle for 50 years as we have tried one way or another to gain significant local input and local control. It's not only uh, hasn't happened, but it's pr frankly probably getting worse. It, it just is. Um, they've done some really good things recently it, it, uh, for everybody in the Verde Valley, for the college in general. They have a promise program where you can go tuition-free. That's terrific. Think of that. Now, they have restrictions you have to meet, but you can go tuition-free and get an AA degree, and they now are extending it over in the CTEC. Another thing they've done that which is really good is to work on reducing the cost of textbooks. Now, my textbook costs about $240 a oh book. Who <laughs> wants to pay that? But if you're going to law school, I guess so, that's the going So for. you're not advertising your, no. your, your textbook on <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't think you have uh, many that buyers. many listeners who are paying $200 and some odd dollars for a textbook on but. Maybe they should, you know, I don't know. For students, the cost of textbooks is a real issue, and the college is really addressing that aggressively. Um, they have said most recently they've saved over $300,000 in textbook costs alone since they began in 2019. They have done a few things over here. They have just finished building a they destroyed our little greenhouse and built a little better greenhouse. They remodeled Building L for the third time. Building L was originally built for our uh, career and technical education program for northern Arizona. Well, that fell through the cracks. They never followed up on that. They got interested in projects over in Prescott, and it just collapsed. But anyway, they have renovated. It's a good renovation, Paul, and they have nursing training in there, modern nursing facilities. It's It's terrific. They also built a 10,000-square-foot um, uh, skills trade center. That, that's terrific. We've been fighting for that for 15 years. Yes, yes. Now, they got 108,001 on the other side. We got 10,000. Now, there's a lot of controversy about that because most of the local people over here didn't want the CTE center over here built where it is. The college made some effort to meet the local demands, but they collapsed. And so you've got a little facility, a promise to expand that facility that apparently is not going to be met in the way that we thought. But they are doing some really good things, but they are keeping real strong 
control over us. So that's sort of a, a quick and, and, snapshot of what and I Paul, see. Paul, you're a representative. You're, you're, you're on the board, right? Right. And you don't, and even though we have a representative in you, and I can't imagine a more effective representative, we're still not getting anywhere much compared to the, the big battles we had with them a few years ago. No. When we first got our new president, she listened, and we made the pitch that we needed career technical education centers over here, and she agreed and put in a 10,000-square-foot one and said to many people that she was going to add another 20,000 square feet. Well, that promise recently has been removed. When I went to the May budget meeting, this is the meeting where we approve the budget. Now, in the budget, if there are capital expenses, the board specifically has to approve them. There had been some vague conversation about we're looking into a beer brewery before that. But suddenly, for the first time, appearing on this budget, and we got preliminary things in meetings before this, for the first time, there was a $10-plus million, million capital expense for a beer brewery. And removed from the budget, and this had been in, in the preliminary March budget, was a 10,000-square-foot extension of the Career Technical Education Center for next year. That was gone. It was totally eliminated from the five-year capital budget that is put into the annual budget. So for the next five years, at least, no more than this 10,000 square feet. Now, why is that important? Because we have career technical education classes that are taught in Prescott, where someone that graduates from them, not even graduates, who finishes one year of them, can find jobs starting at a minimum of $75,000 a year and perhaps as much as 100000 Well, we're teaching some career technical education over here, but on a more basic level, but we're not teaching those fancy courses. We also are not teaching anything about automotive here. They are, what they have over on the other side of the mountain is impressive. It's probably the best career technical education center in the whole state. And if you take all the classes there in automotive, you would know how to build an automobile. You just buy the parts and put them together, and you could use their equipment to do it. Here they refuse to teach automotive, and there are some high-paying jobs over there. But instead, they put this $10 million plan on there to build a beer brewery plus, we had to approve this. So I asked two questions. I said, what's the need for this? No answer. Second question is, how are you going to spend the $10 million and use the 14,000 square feet? No answer. So I have filed under the Freedom of Information Act in this state a request for that information. The response I got is, well, that's going to be 10,000 pages, which is absurd. That's going to cost you $2,500, and it's going to take us three months to put together because we have to take off the names of everybody who, may, who, who had anything to do with this, who made, gave us any information on the need or the cost, which is absurd. So I filed a simpler request under the Freedom of Information Act for information. I'm waiting for a response on that. 
but they don't want to be transparent. They do not want anybody in the public to know how they're going to spend this $10 million. And you're on the board, and they won't tell you, basically. Well, they won't sit down and say, uh, look, Paul, this is how we're going to spend the money on, and maybe we don't have it all spent out, but we're going to spend $5 million on this and $2 million on that. They don't do that. The president refused to answer my question, and the chairman of the board wrote me and said, it's none of my business. <laughs> Which is, yeah, if, you, yeah, if you've been elected to serve on a public board, but under the you freedom, shouldn't have to file freedom. That, that's information yeah, that should be available well, to you. Maybe you might have to go and look at it in office for details, but yeah. the general outlines are things that should be publicly discussed at a public meeting with all the elected representatives and open to the yeah. public. That's the Arizona law on open meeting laws and sunshine laws in Arizona that right. no elected mem board member, whether it's a school board or this or the corporation commission or your local water authority should have to file a Freedom of Information Act to get information related to the job that they were elected to do. Right. Ridiculous. But, and I, I don't mind. I don't mind if the college decides to put in this course. I can only find three colleges in the country that do that, but none of them have their own beer brewery. In fact, I can't find a single college in the United States that has a beer brewery. What I mind is spending the $10 million when they could just go to a local beer brewery, and we have six of them, and one's in Clarkdale and two are in Cottonwood, and pay them a little bit and use their facilities to teach people how to use the machinery. Let me just are they add, building an actual brewery? That would, yeah. They plan to build a brewery, but what else is going to be in the 14,000 square feet? The brewery is only going to take a few hundred square feet. So what else is going to be in there? And why should it cost $10 million when the average brewery, at least in 2021, the whole country, and I researched this, cost between a half a million and $1.2 million to build? Bob can tell us. Well, no, let, let me just you, back up. What, Paul is a perfect example of what's been going on for 50 years. It is a very weak board. He was told, I was told, you don't talk to faculty, you don't talk to administrators, you don't talk to anybody, period, about the college. You just don't do it. When you speak to the public, don't speak critically of the college. Only speak good things. You just aren't, and, and they're, that's what they want to do. It's a corporation run by a president. Most of the other board members, it's so complicated they just back up and pretty much rubber stamp whatever the president puts forward. Paul is an outlier. Uh, they uh, really have gone after him because he consistently asks these questions, consistently asks all this about information for all these projects, and it really irritates them. More and more I've watched the irritation grow. It's it's a culture of of not providing information, not holding regular news conferences, not having regular monthly board meetings where there are elaborate reports. And here's Paul who suddenly shows up and starts asking all these questions. And so you you get something like an expenditure of ten million dollars for something that looks quite silly, frankly, in our modern world, where we desperately need training over here, advanced training for the future in electronics, automotive, whatever. And so he raises his voice and gets himself over and over again in 
trouble. And they tend, unfortunately, not to listen to him or to try to find ways to block him. And that, again, is a part of the culture. You've got to go along or uh, you're not going to go anywhere. So, yes, Paul, does he, do you have any allies on the board when you try to do this stuff? Do you have other people asking questions? Do you have other people representing our side of the mountain? No. One of the board members attacked me last year, and Red Rock News went after him. Um, another one said, why are you on the board? And the chair <laughs> has written me and said, these questions that you're asking are none of your business. So, uh, and the, the guy that I, the person that I thought was the most radical on the board from past years, Ray Sigafus, is now the most moderate of those four. But, you know, he's, I respect him, but he still doesn't agree with anything that I want. The philosophy is very simple. The president makes all the decisions. You don't ask any questions. You just approve it, even when it comes to a capital expense of $10 million. People have to understand, or let's just be reminded that it's a taxpayer-supported institution, largely anyway, and that a huge percentage of their support... The thing that was so disturbed people when, when this came out a few years ago, they were getting so much of their money, so much of their funds from the Verde Valley and providing the Verde Valley so little. And so you have a, a, a basically a corporation that's in Prescott. They do a lot of really great things in Prescott, right, Bob? They have the finest small campus probably in the country. They have everything you could possibly ask over there. It's a terrific facility, and they've used money from over here for 50 years to build it. But it's a terrific campus. It has residence halls, heated swimming pools, eight athletic teams, athletic fields, terrific programming over there, a performing arts center that brings in Broadway plays. Yeah. Uh, I saw ads for one of their plays I mean, uh, the, at, their, at their performing their, arts center. Yes, their cultural delivery on that side of the mountain is fantastic. It's, it's more than you could ever expect. But it's not a community college. That's a college for Prescott, Prescott Valley people. They can't figure out or don't want to figure out how to do something even similar over here. And it's more challenging over here because we are, our population is spread out. We've got several small towns and cities to work with. It brings a much stronger challenge to them than the picking the lower fruit over there. So that's what they've done. And it, Aviation program, only taught over there. Music program, why can't we have music? Fifty years they've been developing music over there. No music classes at all over here. And that's part of the cultural enrichment, you would think. And it just, again, I, it just goes on and on and on, performing arts. Paul, unfortunately, asked a question uh, when he was told they have 500 kids in their performing arts program over there. Well, and he started asking questions about, why don't we have that on this side of the mountain? And got himself into all sorts of trouble for asking that question of the person who actually was giving a presentation. Very, very, they were very upset that he would 
uh, ask those kinds of questions. It's just astonishing that, that we had this huge fight about trying to, when they were eliminating uh, stuff here, um, huge fight. We had to threaten them with all kinds of terrible things. And, and it's like then we did that, and I include myself, we sort of fell asleep and assumed that we had done the right thing. We lost the film school, but we got the culinary institute. What is the situation on the Sedona campus? It is not, I guess, technically a campus anymore. No, no. No, Sedona has always been a center. They've always viewed it as anyway. From my perspective, it's handing, it is hanging again by the slenders of reeds. It just, the culinary program is very fundamental, very small. They had three courses this summer. Uh, they had no courses this summer. They're offering three courses this fall. Um, the uh, chef uh, quit, Paul, that's right. Or, oh, no, he was fired, wasn't he? In His May. contract was not renewed. Right. Okay. So the head chef uh, was gone in May. Um, the restaurant and, ho- <coughs> and hotel program that they were going to develop here, <coughs> it's collapsed. Let me give you a little so, background on that, because after the film school was eliminated and a lot of pressure was put on, particularly by the Sedona City Council, they agreed to do a culinary store school, and Rob Adams was instrumental in that, too, as mayor. Uh, they formed a committee to give them recommendations. Now, this committee consisted of people like our current mayor, myself, a few others, but then also professional chefs and restaurant managers from places like Enchantment and other people knew what they were doing. They came up with a recommendation on how to do it, which required that they have four different areas where they teach and a much bigger area than we have now, and we make it into a regional center, and we also have some sort of housing because the film school could have had many, many more people. I'm talking hundreds more people if we had had housing. Yeah. It's very probably, And we felt the same thing would happen with the Culinary Institute. That recommendation that came from the professionals was approved unanimously by the committee and by the then acting, by the then executive dean, whose name was Perry. And this was sent to the then president, who nixed the whole thing, cut it in half, down to just two different areas where we teach cooking, which we knew couldn't possibly work, and that's what we got. I, you need at least a couple of years of training. Uh, every all the culinary institutes have those. You need kitchens. You need specialties. I mean, it's a very different thing if you're working in as a pastry chef. That's an entire different thing. I yes. worked at a hotel on in on um, on Fifth Avenue, and the the New York Times came in to interview the chef, and she she said to him, "How do you make this thing with one of the desserts?" And the chef had no idea because it was done by the the pastry chef and his people, and they had to bring the pastry chef and one of his assistants out to talk to the reporter. It's that specialized. And and why is it only one year? You need a, at least a couple of years to compete, and you need, you know, enough kitchens for people to really work in. Well, you know, I agree, and I have been pushing 
very hard for us to figure out how to make this into a center, destination center, where people can come from all over to learn this and to get the housing, and nothing's happening. No, you, there's been a there's been a 15 year problem. When I first began looking at the Zaki Gordon Institute over here, it was thriving. Uh, even in bad times, it was thriving. National, international awards, a terrific spot for a film school. But it needed help. It needed housing for students, desperately. It needed some sort of transportation, at least from Cottonwood over here, uh, mm -hmm. from the college. They absolutely won't do it. They are not going to build housing for students over here. And the transportation is out of the question, apparently. The uh, Southwest Wine Facility that we've created over there, it's another facility where we need housing. People want to come in for two or three day programs. Students want to come from other places. They can't find housing. The housing is tight in Cottonwood, almost absent in Sedona for <laughs> yeah, students. It's gotten as bad as Sedona. They know housing. that. They've got their dormitories over there. They are not going to do that over here. They just won't do it. If we had local control, it would be so different, so different because the people's voices would have some effect. Paul's voice would have some effect. Now he's simply blocked, ignored, whatever. Yeah. And we know on that issue with the pastors with the medical center, if somebody says we want to do this in Sedona, we have so much money, we'd like to raise some yes. figure from the community. Yes. The community of Sedona yes. steps up financially, building you know the Sedona Medical Center. You know, they, if you had a, a project that said we need to have a dormitory, whether it was Sedona, even Cottonwood, that said we're going to need to supplement the funds from the college with you know we need to raise another million dollars, you would probably be able to raise that money locally to supplement for some of these things if the college would commit to doing something on a long-term basis. The Verde Valley community would step up with financial support if we, if asked and if they knew it was going to be You're a long-term exactly usage. Exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the people here want those programs even even if they are not themselves going to take advantage of them. They want to see them here. Exactly They right. want to, to see the programs. And, and I know the, the skills center they built over there, I've heard that that's really not adequate in size. They have to really take somebody who is a high school graduate and have the space, the time to give them the skills to go out and even even the shorter programs to really then go out to a some local contractor or local plumbing company or local whatever it is and say, you know, hire me. That that's you know it's not it needs to be expanded even if you're talking about certificate programs for retraining people and for high and for new new high school and graduates. Two thousand square feet is really not. Yeah. Big enough for this center, obviously, Paul. And you've been trying to fight to get it bigger. But it's not – how you couldn't do automotive training in a facility yeah. that size. It's No, it's, we should have – based on our population, we have 30% of the population. Based on that – and we have – and the people who live on our side of the mountain is about the same average age as the other side. The one thing we have different is we're 25% poorer yeah. than the other side, which means we have more of a need for education – um, we should have 35,000 square feet. The president committed to me and to other people she was going to add another 20,000 square feet. And I kept seeing it, you know, in, in the various things they sent to us several times a year. 
that they were going to add another 10,000 square feet next year. And now that's gone. They don't have any plans in the capital budget to add any more square feet for the next five years because they want to put in this 11,000 square foot beer brewery. 14,000 square feet. No, 11,000. Oh, 11,000? 11,000 square feet. And you know what the average pay for somebody starting a beer brewery is? Well, I checked this out. I checked out the whole country. This is for 2021 and maybe a little higher now. And I also checked out the greater Phoenix area. $12 an hour. And if you've been there for a lot of years, you can get $20 an hour unless you're the brewmaster. And there's only one of those in each facility. And they have at least eight years of brewing experience. Um, That would be that person could get as much as $60,000 a year. And they want to build this down in the, uh, at the campus in They Clark haven't Hill. disclosed where they're building it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what are you going to put in that? All I can think of is they're going to add a tap room in a large restaurant so we can compete with the locals. Yeah. I, I can only guess go. at where they might put it. But they, they're ha- they've had a uh, – if you look at Dean Red's resignation letter – she agrees with me and with most others that there's been a lot of difficulty, tension between the college and, and Camp Verde. Camp Verde wants a facility of some sort over there. They want more attention paid to them. It might be that this beer thing is uh, aimed to kind of bring things quiet, the Verde, uh, Camp Verde people, from raising uh, so much cane about being left out, possibly. So that's... A hunch. I don't know, but that's and that's it what it does I'm sound saying. like a facility training people, which is a small number of people for a small number of jobs. Yeah, yeah. Where expanding, whether it's in Sedona, Cotwood, or even in Camp Verde, expanding some yeah. of the more basics, the skills-oriented things, the yeah. construction industry programs that they've got, you know, automotive programs, all of those programs. Even if you know if they built a new center, additional programs in some other part of the Verde Valley then their campus are things that people over here need because that's providing you know, a, a lot of people a lot of chances for jobs. They've sort of half done things. It's like the Culinary Institute. Sounds yeah, like right. a good idea. Sedona seems the perfect yeah. place. It would have a real draw nationally if you had dormitories and stuff. You'd have a Culinary Institute. It has to be a full Culinary Institute. Instead we get in, excuse the word, sort of this half-assed Culinary Institute. They sort of build it, but then they they leave it to die. Well, Maricopa College has a full-blown culinary institute. It's called the CIA, Culinary Institute of America. They give you a great hat that says CIA if you go there. We could be the one for northern Arizona. There's, there's no competition up here to do it. We could be the one. Mm-hmm. We could be the draw. And Sedona, let's face it, is a draw. But you've got to have housing, too. Yeah, because you've also got a full four-year program at NAU, so that a community college-based program has a place for those students who want to actually get a four-year degree to transfer into, if provided they've got the basics to transfer. And I know Coquino Community College has talked about that they haven't created that sort of junior college program to, you know, two-year program to transfer in. But we do have you know, a four-year program in the area for those students who would want to do that, as opposed to. Take a two-year training and a signing certificate, and get an immediate job in the industry. Risk, risk yeah. management is a profitable thing for the kids coming out. Now, uh, the, the CIA back in uh, New York, uh, a lot of their students 
you know, you, you're, you're young, you come out of the program, the next thing they, they do is send you to a Hilton in, you know, in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And you have to go through a certain amount of, <laughs> of international sh- being shipped around if you want. And then you work your way up at the various things. And then ba- you come back into the U.S. and you set up your own restaurant. A lot of them significantly do. It's, it's something you can do if you're just good at doing things, even without degrees. But development takes risk. Prescott sees Sedona as a risky place, quite frankly. Uh, As I said, the restaurant hotel management program that they thought would go here collapsed. Um, Why, Bob? Why? Well, I don't know. It started off, they had one year. (laughs) One year, and the PR was it was going great guns, and they were going to do this and that. It's hard to say because there isn't local control. For programs... To develop programs in an area like this, and we're a rural area, you got to have some people working full-time, very hard, over a, quite a long period of time to get them going and get them sustained. I think the college came in. It had some ideas. They put implemented them, worked probably hard for one year, and then said, this is too hard. Uh, I've got other things to do. I can't spend my... It's hard to say... But development is risky. They don't want to take risk, especially over here, uh, because they see what's going They know how few people are in the Culinary Institute and how difficult it is to get students over there. They are, so they aren't going to build an extension for Paul on that thing. They aren't going to add the kitchens because that would cost money. It's high, from their perspective, high risk. And they're Prescott. They're in control. But the thing is that this college for a culinary institute to, to get a lot of the institutes, the New York, uh, the French Institute in, in, in New York, it's very, very, very expensive. And people pay the money. And the institutes down in in Phoenix that, that do culinary training, one of them, I think, has now collapsed. But they were very, very expensive for yes. the amount of starting salary because you start out at a fairly low, uh, low salary and you have to work your way up. But um, they have Pell Grants and we have the Promise Program. Mm-hmm. So we can make it free for a lot of people. Do you, you, you don't know even why the, the, that program didn't work, Paul? They never explained the it to you? Management the restaurant program. management part. Yeah. No, you know, the, when we had the committee analyzing what to do, we wanted to teach culinary workers. We didn't spend any time figuring out whether or not we should be teaching people um, hotel management. That was not even on our radar. That was something the college pulled out of the air later, but I don't think there was any careful analysis done to it, just like I don't believe there's been any analysis done on whether or not we should be teaching uh, people how to work in beer breweries. If they had done a needs analysis, which I've asked for and they won't give me, um, they would have seen that there are practically no jobs available, maybe 12 a year, but that would be spread over the whole east side and if you live in Sedona you don't want to go down to Camp Verde for a job that's available there or vice versa so they just come up with these ideas when you ask them for justification they don't want to give you any and it may well be because they don't have any and it seems a lot of these programs all of these that are career career related programs which is what community colleges sort of part of their core mission require 
ongoing collaboration with the businesses in whatever field it is. And it sounds from what you're saying, Paul, they had some of that and they ignored it, which makes it you can't go back then because people are sort of feel, hey, I gave you my input and you ignored me. If you come back and ask me again, am I going to spend the same amount of time because you didn't follow what we what we wanted and you and all of those programs because you have to have internships, you got to have places for people to work. It requires a symbiotic relationship between the industry, whatever it is, the beer industry, the culinary industry, the construction industry, and the school to make sure that they're teaching Let the proper skills Bob, and that there's places for them to go. Let me ask Bob what they should do. We've been talking yeah. about with with you and Paul about. All the things they're doing wrong, all these half-bashed things they start and don't support. And if you've ever been in business, you know you can't just put one foot in in the water. You know you gotta you gotta put both foot and feet in the water to get something going. So, Bob, what should they do? The first thing that they should do is to try to give this side of the mountain as much control as possible place responsibility for rising and falling in the hands of the citizens over here who are paying the taxes. So they, they'll pay more attention to what is going on. So the politicians themselves will pay much more attention to it. They could. We have argued for an administrative college. That's a halfway mm-hmm. position. That would place where you'd have your own president over here and your own dean, but you're under a chancellor in the county. Um, that would give an opportunity for the people, citizens in the east side of the county um, to participate more fully. You've got to have, in developing anything, you've got to have serious involvement by the community. And that's desperately what you need. Now it's passive, which they're happy with. People are very passive about education in general, and the community college is way out there. So no, the most important thing would be to give local control at least to administrative college. If we had the power, we'd, if I had the power, I'd set up a separate taxing district and have our own in, independent community college for the east side, and then let the east side of the county rise and fall on its own. Let it raise its own money, its own taxes, spend it where it wants to, and go from there. But that's how you'd get. You'd get then you'd have committees working on the failing Sedona Center. You should have people looking at that right now, seriously, in the communities around here. What are we going to do with it? How can we make it better? Seriously, how can we make it better? If we need $10 million for that thing, where are we going to get it? Things like that. That's what you have to do. De- development is a very hard process. They don't. It, it, it is not something that a community college president really wants to undertake, and that's the fundamental problem here Paul, and elsewhere, I assume. Paul, a, footnote, take on this. A, a footnote on what Bob just said. A few months ago, at one of our meetings, eight, or, eight people showed up from the east side and wanted to speak and at least two of them spoke on the subject of administrative college <clears throat> well we're not allowed when they speak we can't respond because it's not on the agenda you know that so I asked that it be put on the agenda the chair refused to put it on the agenda says we've talked about this before we don't need to talk about it again so I can't I can't get that discussed the other part of this is we have a so-called dean 
who is powerless. Years ago, in 2008, they took away the staff from the dean. At the same time, they took you away... Mean on this side of the mountain. On this side of the mountain. Yes, right. I'm talking this side of the mountain. And at the same time, they took away the uh, basketball teams from the other side, and it was economic. We've repla- we're replacing the basketball teams on the west side of the mountain, but we're not replacing the staff for the dean. Second thing is, when we got a new dean, I thought the dean was going to have charge of the faculty. Well, the dean doesn't have charge of most of the faculty. This was Tina Red you're talking Tina about. Tina Red. Yes. The, most of the faculty reports to somebody in Prescott who doesn't spend a lot of time on the east side of the mountain. So the dean here is a figurehead, pretty much. There was a, we had a presentation at the uh, Sedona City Council not long ago, and it's always been when there's a presentation by the college that the dean comes and speaks. Well, Tina Red was not asked to come. My gosh. And so. Astonishing. It's like, uh, Karen, (laughs) don't you sort of unbelievable that this is the situation? Because she didn't invite the dean. She didn't matter. And so the vice mayor said, how come she's not here? Oh, oh, I didn't know you wanted her here. You didn't want the dean for these. Wow. Yes. Uh, uh, Dr. Red, in her resignation letter, as I said earlier, confirmed an awful lot of what we've thought has been going on. Suspicion. Prescott is suspicion, uh, suspicious of us over here. They're suspicious of Paul. Paul gave a speech and Ollie apparently got her into some sort of hot water. Uh, She got into hot water with Camp Verde uh, for some reason. We don't know. Um, but she, she was an ad, became an advocate for the East Side, quite frankly. She really did. And uh, my judgment is that really put her at loggerheads with Prescott. That's, and then she just resigned in frustration, she, Bob? She resigned because, in my judgment, it was a, what I would call a hostile workplace environment. She wasn't getting the support. Um, she wasn't respected in the way that she thought a college dean over here would be. She wasn't able to develop very much, if anything, on her own. She was basically a manager for Prescott. She was the floor manager. You did what the bosses told you. Don't go outside, which was, as Paul pointed out, completely contrary to what we thought would happen when she was hired. This was a lady who was extremely talented. So really a lot, to kind of sum it up, we're out of time, we've got one minute left, is that, that the hopes that seem to be there, the, the hope for a better situation just has faded. Um, we want to thank our supporters, right, Karen? Uh, we really uh, appreciate their contributions to the show, the Yavapai Democratic Party. If you haven't seen their newsletter, they have a brilliant newsletter that really covers a whole lot of issues all over the all over the Yavapai County, and and that's a good uh, a good place to look for people in in Sedona because it, it shows you what's going on elsewhere. And then we have Democrats of the Red Rocks. Karen, what are they up to? Uh, well, my understanding is to keep check on their website or sign up for their emails because when uh, that this month the the door breakfast will be I understand switch from a Thursday to a Friday and will be an in person event. 
You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.